everyone. So we're here to talk about something that's a little far out. The thought of hooking the computer to your brain and having it read your thoughts really makes people a little nervous. But we're here to hear how this is, this is not a bad thing. And I don't actually have to wear this tinfoil hat. Well, I mean, Does take a look. I mean, he put a piece of aluminum <laughs> foil, and he tries to compete with my real <laughs> device. Come on, Rob. Is this Game of Thrones in the I head? I think I'm going to lose, yeah. Who, who's wearing it better? OK, so who's winning? <laughs> she is. <laughs> Actually, this is itching a little bit. Here we go. I don't want to get hat-head from this. <laughs> so let's start. What was the big idea? What got you into this field? And was it, what, when was your aha moment? Aha moment. Well, my aha moment is that now that all of you are listening to this panel, your brain is communicating electrically. It's not only about the chemistry in your brain. There are 100 billion neurons in your brain, and they just connect electrically. So my co-founder is a physicist and a mathematician, and our approach is can we decode the brain and maybe change the brain from an electric perspective? So we apply physics, math, computational neuroscience to really decode how the electrical connections in the brain work. Okay, and so you're, you're starting with treating various conditions of the brain. Tell me about those. Is there a particular illness that is top on your list? I want to be able to make this, so let this me disease, show you this first. illness go away. So this is my brain now in real time. As you can see, there are different colors. Uh, blue, red, blue is more activity, less is red activity. But the beauty is that any of the electrodes I'm wearing can inject currents into the brain. So I can read brain waves, but I can also stimulate brains. And the thing is, for example, when you suffer from epilepsy, a part of your brain is super red, is overexcited, like this one, right? So I will have a seizure. If I can inject negative currents into the brain, I can prevent neurons from firing and creating those seizures. So epilepsy is our most uh, advanced indication. We show that we can reduce seizures 50% after 10 days of 20 minutes of stimulation with this device. So we have breakthrough designation status by the FDA, and we aim to become the first company in the world to go through the FDA with this new kind of non-invasive electrical stimulation therapy. So the idea is that people will wear, I guess, an even more stylish version of this, uh, this hat. Exactly. And the second indication is depression. Uh, we are very worried about this mental health pandemic. I think that the pharma and the drugs have tried for a long time without success to help us with anxiety or depression. I think now it's time for the new kids on the blog, people on digital therapeutics, the psychedelics, and electrical stimulation. I think there are other ways to help people suffering from depression, and we also hope uh, to bring a new therapy. And that's the beauty of being an entrepreneur. You think of an idea back in Barcelona, you scale it up to Boston, and now it's at the doorsteps of becoming a new therapy for millions and millions of patients. Now, I'm sure this is an area where talented people with a lot of resources have been trying to work on this for a while. What made you think that this is my chance to, to be the new kid on the block? And what sort of setbacks have you had to overcome along the way? Well, I think that technology has, you know, according to Moore's law, has advanced in a way we couldn't imagine. My device is wireless. You can take it home. Uh, the computational capacities we have today, the miniaturization, I think it's a confluence of technologies, especially 
biophysics and software. And I think we couldn't do this 30 years ago. So I think now is the chance to really try to tap into the brain and discover the most difficult, most sophisticated part of our body and what makes us human. And a lot of people will be asking, can you make us smarter? Can you enhance us as human? I think my technology, but other things like Neuralink and other technologies are going to really change what it, you know, what it means to be human. So yeah, that, that's sort of a difference. On the one hand, we're, we're treating conditions, trying to make people whole again, but the same technology, see also like genetic therapy, could be used to upgrade people. And, and how do you approach the sort of bioethics of that to decide that, okay, maybe we don't want to take this next step just yet. What's your, what's your thought process there? Well, I am an entrepreneur and as such, I am a dreamer, right? So with my co-founder and my team, we really want to push this into the homes of all these patients. But the first time I met a neuroethicist, which are mainly academics, they made such difficult questions. For example, Anna, is your technology changing the identity, the autonomy, or the agency of the person you're stimulating? Gosh, that was a difficult question because the FDA is not asking you that question, right? The other is, who is going to have access to this technology? Only the rich and the powerful? Is it going to help us to make people who are less smart smarter? Or are we going to make the people very smart smarter, right? So I think these ethical questions are super important. And I've been taking part of a lot of neuroethics debates because I think that the entrepreneurs need to take the ethics seriously. And I think that it's in the power of the founders to design and develop the technology in a way that it will protect the misuse. So I think we have a responsibility. And it's not, oh, I have a cool technology, and then the world uses it how they want. So you're not going to launch this like every giant social network launches? Let's get big, and then we'll figure out the downside? No. Thank you. I think that that is more of a European, maybe, approach. I think that we don't, as I have said, we don't know yet about the brain. So I know I can cure and help a sick brain. But what about if I'm doing a stimulation in a healthy brain for sustained period of time? I haven't stimulated a brain more than six months. So what will happen after two years? The scientific answer is, I don't know. So maybe now you're nice. Uh, funny and smart, and I will make you silly, you know, boring and whatever. So I don't think the science and the technology is ready for massive consumer use of this technology. Yeah, so as a gadget guy, I have to ask two questions about every device. Number one, what's it going to cost? Number two, what's the battery life? Oh my God, <laughs> you really are. <laughs> so the battery life, it's like, an, it's like a phone, you just recharge it, so it's up to 12 hours, but our stimulation sessions are 20 minutes, so it's totally okay. And what it's going to cost, I think that when we go to the home of the patient, this will be a subscription-based therapy, so we don't want patients to buy devices. And by the way, it will be prescribed by your neurologist or your psychiatrist. So we will not sell direct to patients. And the idea is that you have like a renting of the device, very similar to what you know, a treatment with a drug can cost. And then when you're finished, you will return the device. So are you ready to do battle with American insurance companies to prove <laughs> that this actually works and they should pay for it? Yeah, when I scale up from Europe 
to, you know, to Boston, I thought, oh my God, the FDA is so scary. I mean, you go into the FDA and it's like a military facility. They have weapons and they dress like army people. And it's like, well, I only, I only have a device, right? So it's super scary. But then when you talk to the FDA, you understand that they are just protecting patients. They are very reasonable people. I, I love the FDA. Reimbursement, that's another nightmare. I mean, <laughs> that is... Sorry. <laughs> that in the US, it's a big, big hurdle. And then once we fight for reimbursement, which we will have to, and we are, then it's market access. For, so for the entrepreneurs out there, the fact that you have a good idea, a nice hardware, a good technology, doesn't mean it's going to reach the market because you have regulatory, reimbursement, and market access to figure out. And you better do it in parallel. And, and so, you know, a lot of failures and learning lessons, but yeah, reimbursement in the US, all oh Lord. Yeah, I mean, dealing with health insurance companies, I can tell you it can induce stress and depression. So maybe they don't want you to cut into their, their market there, I don't know. <laughs> So what are the other risk factors you're looking at? What are the things that the obstacles you want to avoid over the next couple of years? What things were in your critical path? So we are very focused on demonstrating to the FDA and to the world that this is efficacy, that this works, right? That, that's our scientific question for epilepsy, for depression, and for Alzheimer's down the line. But what we are super excited is that on top of this, we are building what we call neurotwins. So these are digital copies of your brain in the cloud. So let's think about the flight simulators of a pilot. Before a pilot gets into a plane, they simulate right, what it is to drive that plane. We want to do the same with the brain. So we are building with your MRI and your EEG a 3D copy on the cloud of your brain where we can simulate before we give you a drug we, we, before we stimulate you for Alzheimer's or depression, how is your brain going to respond? Isn't that awesome that we can simulate the brain to really personalize therapy? So we have 25 people in the company only doing brain models. And this is not fashion, this is like <laughs> computer uh, brain models, right? And I think it's going to be super exciting to see how we use the brain models to personalize um, therapies per brain, per patient, because every brain in this room is different. Physically, your scalp can be thicker or less, your white matter, your conductivity, the way your electrical brain works is different. So can we really personalize with a neurotwin how you're going to respond? So just to be clear, you're not gonna use this digital twin of my brain to put it into a robot, right? Well, that, that was, <laughs> we are scientists. That's a possible pivot later on down the line. <laughs> I think, you know, there are a lot of science fiction movies about the brain, right? And I adore all of them. I particularly like the 80s brainstorm, Christopher Walker, very old movie. I think that this is going to be the brain age. I mean, whether it's Neuroelectrics, whether it's Neuralink, whether it is Synchron, we are going to be exposed to have implanted devices in our brain for the first time and not necessarily for medical use. So think yourselves, you know, how these brain implants are going to change us, right, in terms of humans. I think that a lot of the science fiction movies that we've seen will become a reality in the next year because as I have said, the technology is allowing for things that were impossible before. But there will be a lot of ethical debates about who's owning 
the brain chip data, who has access to that. And, you know, I consider myself not old, but compared to a millennial or a young person, there is generations apart, right? So I wouldn't let my brain data be accessed to anybody, but maybe the young people, they will. So, you know, I let you think about what is going to mean for us as a society and whether governments will interfere or not. Is this going to be a free market? But it's going to be exciting, I think, to see all the benefits of neurotechnology in the next 10 years. Stay tuned. I look forward to seeing the general data protection regulation being rewritten to cover brain data as well. Yeah, and one of the things that is happening today, and it's a dream of humankind, it's called brain-computer interfaces. So there are a number of companies that are implanting devices because, for example, let's say you're paralyzed. Uh, you suffer from a stroke. You're in coma. You're locked in. Locked in means your, body is, your brain is locked in your body, but your brain is intact. This is you know, super scary, but it's a reality. So you can really allow people that are locked in or paralyzed to interact with the world. This is awesome. As a yeah, there was a really interesting study the University of Texas at Austin just did where they were able to use an MRI machine to basically detect the language in someone's head. With their cooperation, mind you, this is not some scary totalitarian mind control thing, which, yeah, to figure out what is literally on someone's mind without them saying it. Yeah, I think that when I put the device, a lot of people tell me, Anna, can you know what I'm thinking? No way. I think the technology is not as evolved as to mind-read brains, right? But I think that, as you said, you know, there are things that we can infer from brain data. But I don't think there is mind reading possible at this stage. But maybe 10 years from now, somebody will be able to read your mind. And the question is, will it be used to sell you more you know, bread or a particular brand? Will it be used you know, to help you perform better? Will it be used to heal your sick brain, right? That's the question. Yeah, this makes me not want to buy the Facebook version of this device, I think. So, speaking of competition, you mentioned Neuralink, and Elon Musk, he, he says a lot of things about his ventures, and especially Neuralink. And in some ways, I think in pop culture, he's sort of become the face of the whole brain-computer interface, what's possible. Given his frequency of overstatement and, and just spouting off, is it, is it good to have him be the face of this? Well, I've been an entrepreneur in the neurotech space for more than 10 years, and I know my co-CEOs in the space. I think that there has been a number of us working in neurotech for you know, more than 15 years, and he's a newcomer. I think it has been good for Elon Musk to step in the field because you know, it just shines a spotlight into a field where a lot of people, we were very active. And I think it has helped us to raise better money, more money, there's more interest out there. But I think that at the end, we will all be measured by the quality of our science, by the quality of what we say we deliver. So I think the jury is out there to see whether it's Neuralink, it's Synchron, it's Paradromics, it's Neuroelectrics, and who is really going to show with scientific and good data that this works. And remember, the brain is so difficult and it's so complex that you cannot bluff it. So, you know, I think that for the audience in the room, there is hope because, you know, to really tap and control and make sense of the brain takes tremendous scientific 
rigor. So, you know, it's not that easy. So, last, what's on your roadmap for the next year or so? What, what should we expect to see coming from your company between now and uh, November 2023? So, you have to wish me luck, because mm. today we are fingers still crossed. doing... <laughs> yes, fingers crossed. So, we are doing 200 patients in 20 U.S. hospitals with epilepsy, aiming to reduce their seizures at least half. Um, I expect to finalize each trial, which is going slower than expected, um, in less than 20 months. So I think by the end of next year, um, I should have you know, the data to the FDA and become an approval therapy by the FDA. And only, I think, six months from then, hopefully have it in depression. So I'm just making a lot of effort to execute the clinical trials very fast, very efficiently, so that we really can tell you hopefully in Web Summit, that really um, we are a new therapy in the world that didn't exist you know, a couple of years ago. That is something exciting to look for. Um, I guess anything else people should know about your company? Well, because I'm a women CEO, I always make um, a statement about women in tech. Um, I have 40% of my people who are women I think we need more women on the tech space. So the fathers out there and the mothers out there, please encourage your girls to do STEM. I have biomedical engineers, many women going to biomedical engineer, physicists, mathematicians. I think that we need a diverse workforce. It's not only women, you know, it's about diversity into the tech world. So I think that my big shout out is we need diversity, we need lateral thinking, and we need many more women. When I raised my Series A in Boston, people told me, from the bottom of their hearts, Anna put a man to raise money for you. And I said, there's no way. I have two boys and two daughters. I'm a mother of four. There's no way I'm going to put a man to raise money for me. What help am I doing to my daughters? So I had to fight the extra mile, work much more harder, but I raised 20 million on my Series A from Boston investors being a woman. So don't let anybody tell you you cannot do it. Thank you. I endorse that message. Thank you very much.